Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open or you love the convenience of no-shell pistachios like myself, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack for when hunger strikes. And there are a bunch of tasty flavors to choose from too, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sirius XM Radio presents, in conjunction with House of Athlete, I am athlete tonight. What up, everyone? This is I Am Athlete Tonight. I am your host, 10-year NFL defensive lineman, Lee J. Dusborn. You know I'm with my squad, former WNBA player, Trick Shot Goddess. Takes money from uh, NFL players doing trick shots. My auntie, Auntie Chantel Trimeter, and former first-round pick from the Boston Celtics 2006 NBA champion with the Miami Heat, Antoine Tweezy Walker. How's everybody doing tonight? Let's go. Yeah, auntie like, like that intro, huh? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> How's everybody been? How was everybody's weekend? It was good. good. I can't complain. It was it was man. good. Yeah, that's I'm good, I'm, I'm good. ready for football to start though. Oh, we here, man. Training like, camp is live and in person, man. You know they've been following everybody around training camp, so right. every team is officially in training camp. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe in three or four days we have you know Hall of Fame game coming up. So like football mm-hmm. is back, baby. Thank God. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, I'm ready. Well, let's go ahead and get into the show. We have a really packed show for you today. Debo Samuel finally got his bag from the 49ers. And after an offseason where he requested a trade, it seems like all is right in San Francisco. We'll discuss Mm. that. Amanda Nunez gets her revenge on Juliana Pena in one of the greatest fights I've seen recently. And who wins the quarterback competition with the Carolina Panthers? And could Matt Carell, their third-round pick, be gaining some steam in that competition? But first, the big news of the day. Deshaun Watson has been suspended for six mm-hmm. games for violating the NFL personal conduct policy. Now, the, the suspension was finally announced this morning, ending a lengthy process for all that have been involved. Judge Sue L. Robinson ruled that Watson was going to get the six games for violating the NFL's personal uh, conduct policy. And over 20 of Watson's former massage therapists from his time with the Texans have filed a class action suit against him now. Robinson's decision included no monetary penalty, which means he will not be fined. While Watson did, in fact, violate the personal conduct rules, Robinson determined that the evidence did not warrant an extended suspension in her 15-page report. Now, as of this morning, Watson had reached uh, settlements with all but one of the women involved in those civil cases. 23 of the 24 cases have been resolved. Now, if either Watson or the NFL wanted to appeal the ruling, it would have to go through NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. If Goodell decides to hear an appeal, he may <laughs> impose a lengthier ban. Now, on Sunday, the NFLPA released a statement implying that they would not appeal 
Judge Sue L. Robinson's decision while urging the league to do the same. Now, per ESPN, Adam Scheffner, NFL released this following statement. Pursuant to the collective bargaining agreement, the NFL or the NFLPA on behalf of Watson may appeal the decision within three days. In light of her findings, the league is reviewing Judge Robinson's imposition of a six-game suspension and will make a determination on the next step. Now, here to discuss the particulars of the situation is friend to the show, Odyssey legal analyst and creator of LeagueofJustice.com, Amy Dash. Welcome to the show, Amy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, guys. Let's jump right right into this, Amy. So when you first heard that it was going to be six games yeah. Deshaun with uh, Watson and Judge Robinson came down imposing the six game suspension. What was your first takeaway from that? Well, I thought, oh, she's only found wrongdoing maybe in one of the four or five cases that were presented or the evidence wasn't strong enough. So she didn't find that he committed sexual assault, but she just more generally punished him for conduct detrimental to the league because of his behavior wasn't optimal or invited all of this type of scrutiny. Then I read the the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Wow, I was blown away. So she concluded that he committed sexual assault against four people, or at least that it was more probable than not that he did. The NFL met its burden, she said, to prove that he committed sexual assault, that he uh, committed conduct detrimental to the integrity of the NFL, and that he put people in genuine danger of their safety and well-being. And she found that it was more probable than not that all of that occurred on four occasions. So you're talking about 12 violations of the personal conduct policy. Yet she only gave six games. Well, then I'm sitting there scratching my head Mm. and saying, how did she come to this conclusion? Mm. Yeah. Right. So, so Amy, I know that, and I stated this in the intro, the NFL and Deshaun Watson have three days to potentially appeal, you know, judge Robinson's decision. Now, this is my question for you. If the NFL before this case happened and NFLPA came together to, you know, agree upon an independent arbitrator to decide what would happen in this case, but yet the NFL still has the ability to appeal, you know, her decision at the end of the day, what was the purpose of them agreeing on an arbitrator in the first place? Because I mem- uh, I believe the NFLPA wanted to do this because they were concerned that Roger Goodell could potentially be judge, jury, and executioner in this case, but they agreed on this arbitrator. But it seems like the NFL still has power at the end of the day to, you know, if they want to appeal this and give Deshaun Watson a lengthier suspension, they can do this. So was this a case where the NFL was, you know, just appeasing the NFLPA by agreeing to the arbitrator? Or was this generally, you know, something where they're like, well, whatever the arbitrator decides, we're probably going to leave it alone. Well, one is it did take the heat off of Roger Goodell. Ultimately, the NFL is a business. It has to have control and power on the final say because you don't know what what kind of circumstances and how it will affect the bottom line. So they always need that power to sort of reel things in and correct things where they have to. But now everybody is saying, Sue Robinson, how could you give six games, blah, blah, blah. So the heat's on her. So now Roger Goodell can come in and be the hero and say, well, I'm going to increase this to eight games, 10 games, 12 games a season. And now he's not blamed for the initial arbitration. Also, there's a little nuance where there was a give or concession, if you will, to the NFLPA in saying, well, if an arbitrator finds that we're way out of left field and there's no reason for any type of discipline here 
and we're not, you know, fairly examining the evidence, then that sticks. We can't contest that. But where there is discipline, we can go back in and we can lengthen or reduce the suspension length based on the arbitrator's factual findings. Meaning if this Sue Robinson didn't find, you know, 12 violations of the conduct policy, let's say she found one, then Roger Goodell couldn't go in and say, well, she gave six games and she found one violation, but I disagree. I think there were 10 violations, so I'm going to give a season. He can't do that. He has to stick with the factual findings. So here she found 12 violations. So, But it actually opens the door to the NFL. I think she's saying to the NFL, here's your 12 violations. You win. You met your burden of proof on everything. Make the suspension whatever you think it should be. I'm going to go with that six games and let you really make that final determination because for her to find so many violations and give such a small suspension to me, it's a very timid and uncomfortable move where she feels that maybe she's not, you know, she's not in her area of expertise. She's sitting there saying to the NFL, you don't have guidelines. You don't have definitions for the law, for the, the uh, assault, the sexual assault. You don't have definitions for the crimes and suspensions that people can expect if they commit these crimes. What she's really saying, because she comes from a criminal justice background or a legal background, is when I sit down as a judge on a bench, there's a codified law that explains what the prosecutor has to prove. So you don't just say sexual assault. It says sexual assault is the intent to, let's say, commit unwanted sexual contact you know, and you have to prove each element. And then if you prove that the person will get up to five years, there are guidelines for the judge here. She's given no guidelines. And that's because the NFL shouldn't be running a criminal justice system because it's very nuanced and it's very specific and it's very complex. So she's really out of her element here. And I think that's why she kind of missed the mark. Well, Amy, speaking of, you know, they gave, they gave him six games, Um, you know, whether or not, I agree with it or not. Um, I agree with a lot of things that you said. Um, and and she was in a tough spot in that, you know, she she didn't get she got all the facts. But like you said, not all the nuances. And 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 sometimes that can make a, a judge's life hard. But the six games uh, for Deshaun Watson, was this the best case scenario for him? Obviously, well, besides being, you know, no games. But was yeah. this the best scenario for him? Absolutely. And I think that's why the NFLPA last night said, oh, we're going to waive our rights and encourage the NFL to do the same because they knew something was coming down that was in favor of Deshaun Watson. But um, it's kind of weird because it's almost like she found that he did all of, in her opinion, did all the things the NFL said he did. So the NFL won on the factual findings. But then, like I said, the suspension, it's kind of like he won. So that's why people are having trouble squaring those two up. Right. This is I Am Athlete Tonight. I am your host, Lee J. Doosable, with my squad, Antoine Walker and Auntie Chantel Trimeter. And we're talking about Deshaun Watson being suspended for six games with Odyssey legal analyst and creator of LeagueofJustice.com, Amy Dash. Amy, I want to really follow up on a question that you, uh, something that you said earlier, right? You're saying that, you know, Judge Robinson came out with the six game suspension and now the pressure is off Goodell, and now he can come in as the quote-unquote hero. And if he wants to give a lengthier suspension, he can. If he decides to do that, what would be the NFL's PA, PA's next step? Um, would they be able to appeal that the lengthier suspension? 
they can appeal it under the new pro- procedure. They can appeal it to a judge in a federal court. So I think if whatever he decides, that's going to be final. Now they can try to puff their chest and say, we're going to sue you in court. I don't see how a court is going to take a case like this if they wouldn't entertain the Tom Brady case, the Ezekiel Elliott case, which were based on archaic procedures. When you literally just had the NFLPA renegotiate and agree to this brand new (laughs) process. It's almost like if you're playing football or any game in sport, and you want to rewrite the rules and everybody agrees, okay, these are the new rules of the game. Then all of a sudden a play doesn't go your way and you go, wait, 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 no, that's not fair. Uh, you know, now we've got to stop the game. We've got to have somebody decide who's right. And it's like, no, we all agreed. And this is the way it played out. So, you know, there's no crying foul at this point. I mean, let me ask you a question. So just in your opinion, obviously you understand you read the 15 page report and you, um, know the legal terms a lot, lot better than we do. Uh, do you feel like the six games is, you know, fair? Or would you think it, it should be more than, than six games? Or what would be fair? So I didn't see, there was like 215 pages of an investigative report, four testimonies from women, 37 other people were interviewed. So there's a lot that I haven't seen. So I'm not going to say whether her decision was fair um, in terms of her findings. But what I'll say is, If I were her and I found four uh, violations in terms of sexual assault, I would go to the PCP, the personal conduct policy, and it says six games, minimum suspension per sexual assault. So that's uh, what? 32 games, right? Mm. No, six, 12, 24. I'm sorry. My math's not clear. This has been a long day. My math's clearly (laughs) not uh, up to par. 24 games. (laughs) But then there were more violations. Um, where it was conduct detrimental to the league and putting them uh, putting these women in genuine danger of their safety and well-being. Those are separate violations. Um, so I think if I had found what she found, I would have just followed the personal conduct policy and done the six game minimum at least. Um, and then she, you know, she talked about mitigating and aggravating factors like that. He didn't show remorse in her opinion. He didn't report the lawsuit on time. Um, he's on, on the flip side. She said that he was, he had a clean uh, criminal history, that he was, uh, you know, a pinnacle in the community, he did a lot of community service. So you have to balance those factors. But on the four finding of sexual sexual assault, that's six games per finding for me. Now, the way she excused only giving six games for that is she said, Well, the NFL policy says sexual assault, but it doesn't say six games for nonviolent sexual contact. And I think this was nonviolent because the NFL never alleged that there was force involved. I think a lot of people would disagree with that and say, no, it falls under that general category of sexual assault in the personal conduct policy, because if somebody puts their genitals on you and makes physical contact or somebody releases their their bodily fluids on you, you know, a lot of victims would feel that that there was an element of fear there. There was an element of violence, maybe not violence to the level of a rape, but that that was a violent act because there was unwanted physical contact. Even under the law, when you talk about assault, you don't even have to make contact for there to be an assault. It could be a threat or a perceived threat that somebody's going to hurt you. So I think it's weird. And that's what people are, are struggling to understand is how can you call something a sexual assault? How can you describe it the way that you do in such detail and then say, well, I'm going to unilaterally and subjectively decide that there's no violence involved here. 
Well, amen. You know, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've sat here and I've been a little quiet, but I'm going to, you know, say what I really think, um, you know, especially as a black woman. Right. You think about Deshaun Watson being suspended for six games and being and accused of assaulting 25 women. Right. When Colin Kaepernick knelt to uh, protest police, police brutality and he's his suspension is going up on quote unquote suspensions going up on five years, which tells me that that, you know, the NFL places little value on women and black lives for that matter. Um, so let me I just wanted to say that. But but I think that in in what she said in the decision, right, almost putting in almost putting what she did in the decision, doesn't that suggest that she believes the women, but which means that she gave six games for rape allegations that she believes were true. Um, and, and we talk about like apples and oranges and, you know, this is a, this is the apples to orange comparison. Right. And, and people are bringing up Calvin Ridley. Right. Um, you know, he, he's had a year long suspension for betting on games. Right. Can you talk about, can you talk to our listeners about like those core differences? Yeah, I think it's, it's a glaring difference in the fact that Calvin Ridley had a year for betting on a game. Um, and then you had DeAndre Hopkins, who it seems like there was an inadvertent use of a substance that was like 0.034% above the, right. the threshold that was allowed. And he got something similar. Um, so I think, I think she was scared mm. to, give six games per offense. Now on in her favor, I'll say she was limited to the four cases. She even wrote it in her opinion. I'm limited by the four cases that the NFL brought me. They right. chose out of 24. Well, women Amy, to not, only to, not to interrupt you, Amy, but why? I, that's the question I wanted to ask. Why was it only, why did they only bring four of the cases, you know, for her to, to review? That's a good question. I don't have the answer, but they interviewed, there were 24 accusers. They only interviewed 12 out of the 12, they only brought the testimonies of four. four. Yeah. Now, they would argue, mm. oh, there wasn't enough compelling evidence to support or maybe there was contradictory evidence in some of the other cases, which made it less black and white. And therefore, we wanted to come with our strongest cases to ensure that we would win this thing. But if they brought four and she's limited to four and she finds uh, sexual assault in four, like I said, the minimum is six games per offense. So uh, forget this garbage about not violent, violent. I don't believe that distinction. Right. That's that's <clears throat> ridiculousness because you're talking about somebody like, did he hold someone down and rape them? He's not being accused of that, but he was accused of forced oral sex with one of these cases. I don't know if that was one of the, one of the ones she examined, but uh, you know, she seems to believe that he intentionally set up these massages uh, and I believe a lot of the women were black. A lot of them, I think there were some that were Latin. Uh, I don't know if there were any white women, but regardless, uh, you're seeking people out that, you know, she said it's undisputed. He knew they did that. Most of these women didn't have massage therapy experience or a lot of it and didn't seem to care urgently messaging them using your NFL status to get them to meet you with the intent, according to her, that this turned into a sexual encounter directing them towards your groin area and using a tiny little towel instead of a sheet. And then, you know, it's disputed whether uh, he became aroused or not, but she believes that he did. She actually concludes that he did become aroused because a lot of the women that publicly defended him said that he became aroused with them and they were defending him. 
So she believes that that happened. She believes that there was physical contact made between his groin that was purposeful, that was sexual and intentional, and that it was unwanted. She concluded this. So why wouldn't she give at least six games per offense? Does it make sense? Because it's nonviolent, says who? Right. <clears throat> I mean, let me ask you a question. I mean, also, too, why you think she did not add, uh, um, attach a big fine um, on top of the six games as well? Why do you think she did? She didn't do that. Was that she's not allowed to to give a, a, a fine out that has to come from the league, or was she allowed to attach a fine to that? She could have given a fine. And I think it's interesting that she didn't because her punishment falls squarely within the punishment that Deshaun Watson and Browns anticipated and prepared for, meaning they set up his contract so that if he was suspended up to the first year, he would hardly take a hit. I think he loses like in the $30,000 range a game. So if you have to assume that he's already not going to be losing much money on the suspension, why wouldn't you add a fine just to like put that extra form of layer of punishment. Um, so I don't really know why she did add this weird condition that all of his massages now have to be supervised by the team. Uh, it has to be through a team contracted entity, meaning she doesn't have much faith that he can go out and get a massage as a grown man without something happening again, which signals to me that instead of trying to uh, babysit him, maybe they should have done what the personal conduct policy Detail specifically is done in most of these cases and required treatment for some sort of an addiction or whatever, or some sort of rehabilitation if she felt that that was uh, necessary. But with the fine, I think it's weird. She did mention that he was that the commissioner chose not to put him on the exempt list on administrative leave. And and you'll remember that the Texans chose not to play him. Well, had the commissioner. So he just missed out on all those games and he was still paid. Had the commissioner put him on administrative leave, any uh, suspension or any games that were missed or any money that he lost could have been credited against his future suspension. So maybe in her mind, she thinks, oh, well, he already sat a year. So that was kind of like a punishment. And now he's going to sit another six games. It's hard to hard to say because she didn't specify that. Amy, Deshaun has one civil case that hasn't been resolved. Is it possible once this case does get uh, resolved, that more civil cases could, you know, come out of the woodwork? It's possible, but um, I, I think there's going to be a lot more vetting because now that there's been a settlement with the Texans and a settlement with Deshaun, lawyers and the league have to be on the lookout for people that are just going to be coming forward with cases because they see that there is money to be had there from two different sources. So I think it's going to be a lot harder for people to get their cases uh, represented because, you know, I think this um, Tony Busby, who represented all these women, I know he had a couple more cases because the Texans settled with 30 women. He's only filed 24 lawsuits. So maybe he has six more cases. Question is, why wouldn't he have brought them? Maybe they're just not strong enough. Yeah. This will be our, our final question for you, Amy. From a legal perspective, say the NFL agrees to the six game suspension. Could we officially put a close to the situation or is there more that could happen? I think the situation is done unless there are more lawsuits and then they have to go out and uh, investigate those. But I don't even know if the NFL would entertain those, like I said, unless they're like very uh, thoroughly vetted. But I think then if they agree not to appeal, I think the situation's done and a lot of people are going to stop talking about it. 
Amy, we truly appreciate you stopping by I Am Athlete tonight. That's Odyssey legal analyst and creator of LeagueofJustice.com, Amy Dash. Make sure you follow her on Twitter, Amy Dash TV, man. She's always had some good insight on a lot of things that's going on. Thank you. I definitely again, booed, I definitely <clears throat> booed Antoine when he came to MSG. Absolutely. <laughs> when I was a little kid, I used to grow up going to the Knicks game. So mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sorry, Antoine. Uh, I had some big games in Master Square Garden, so you had to. I don't know why you was born. I put big numbers on <laughs> Master Square you were, you were wearing you were the wrong probably, uniform. You're probably outperforming my Knicks. That's why. <laughs> Thanks All again, right, Amy. Bye, guys. Thank you. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Hey there, I'm Brad. I'm about to win the Tuesday Night Bowling League Championship. I'm also a highway worker for the Ohio Department of Transportation. When you move over and slow down, you're making sure I can bowl the winning strike with my buddies. Remember, they're not just roadside workers. Thank you for moving over and slowing down. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Rest in peace to Bill Russell. The Boston Celtics great died at the age of 88. Now, Bill Russell, the NBA legend who led the Boston Celtics to 11 titles, I believe nine as a player and two as a coach. And then in 13 years and became the first black head coach of a major U.S. sports team passed away Sunday at the age of 80. And I read Armback, who recruited Russell to the Boston Celtics and coached him on nine championship teams, declared him the most devastating force in the history of the game. When Russell was inducted into the basketball hall of fame in 1975, Russell was regarded for his prominence in civil rights issue as well. He participated in the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. And during the I Have a Dream speech by Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he was seated in the front row of the audience. He was one of the many well-known Black athletes who stood with Muhammad Ali after Ali rejected enlistment into the military during the Vietnam War. And back in 2011, President Barack Obama presented Russell with the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the country's highest civilian honor, praising him as someone who stood up for the rights and dignity of all men. Now, the sports world weighed in at the loss of Bill Russell. Michael Jordan um, put out this statement. Bill Russell was a pioneer as a player, as a champion, as the NBA's first Black head coach, and as an activist. He paved the way and set an example for every black player who came into the league after him, including me, the world has lost a legend. My condolences to his family and may he rest in peace. Steph Curry took the Twitter. It's a trailblazer icon, greatest champ in basketball, made the world on and off the court a better place. Thank you and rest easy. 11 Kareem Abdul-Jabbar says, my thoughts about Bill Russell passing away. I am working on a deeper thought-provoking article tonight as I process what just happened and then Shaq. Thank you for paving the way. You will be missed legend at Bill Russell and Barack Obama. Again, today we lost a giant. As tall as Bill Russell stood, his legacy rises far higher, both as a player 
and as a person. And Tuan Walker, I want to throw it to my teammate. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that you had a personal interaction with Bill Russell. Could you share some of your lasting memories of him? Yeah, I mean, one for, for me personally, um, and this is kind of one of the true means of being a Celtic, and um, I was very fortunate when I came into the league in 1996. Um, Bill was still around the team. Um, Red Rollback was still around the team. Uh, I think people obviously know how close Red and Bill were, um, but they were still heavily involved. So my first two, three years, I got a chance to spend a lot of personal time with um, Bill. He would come to practice. He had big games and um, just getting the opportunity to sit down and just hear his feedback on your game and your development and where, what it means to really be a true Celtic um, was special to me. Um, that was the one thing that, that I always try to tell people when I consider Boston my second home. And, you know, I'm always rooting for the Celtics and, and feel my, make myself feel like I'm a part of the organization. It's because of guys like Bill. Um, but what's fascinating about yesterday, even for me, and, I'm, you know, I'm actually embarrassed about this, is that um, at this passing, just to find out one from all the specials that we saw yesterday on the TV networks of what he did off the court. Um really hit home for me. And I knew, you know, he was an active as I knew he did some things, um, but I didn't know to the extent until I started hearing these stories yesterday. And and um, you know how we always talk about you got to give guys flowers, you know what I mean, while they're here and all that. But I just never knew that side of him. Um, and that made him more special. We all know about the on-court and all, the on-court accomplishments and how good he was in the championships, the rings. Um, but what he did off the court, I mean, was was – Simply amazing. He played in a time in Boston where racism still existed and was really, you know, and had to go through that and play and be a part of that. Um, so, you know, it was just a reflection time for me that, man, I actually was around this guy. I actually got some great photos, got a great picture of my house with him. Um, I posted some on Instagram, those moments. And and I really felt like I took them for granted. And then when you, you know, obviously when you, so now, so when I now to see what how what he meant to the world and what he meant to sports, um, I'm glad I got an opportunity to be around him. Got an opportunity to say that I knew him and and got to spend time with him. And you know it makes me feel part feel special to be part of the Celtics and their organization because he is the Mr. Celtic. So um, he'll be greatly missed. I mean he's a great you know great pillar to to everybody, especially in sports. I mean we hadn't seen him and Muhammad Ali what they were able to do and off the court and still accomplish what they did on the court. That's simply amazing. Yeah, I want to throw it to you. You know, you're well versed in basketball. Of course, you played in the WNBA. Just talk about what, you know, Bill Russell meant to the game uh, and uh, meant to the NBA game. You're muted, Auntie. <laughs> Ain't that a shame? I try to come on here and say something and I'm, I'm sitting here muting myself. <laughs> you know, you know, folks will talk about the numbers of Will Chamberlain and, and they'll, you know, gargantuan compared to Russell's numbers. But what he did was he made himself better. I mean, he made everyone else around him better. Right. He was a point guard that wasn't a point guard. Um, and, you know, he played a lot alongside a lot of of Hall of Famers and he still made them better. Uh, but you know what, dudes, you know, I don't mean to skirt the question, but. But what he did off the court, oh, like yeah. like Antoine said, like, you know, he was he was Batman on the court and and Bruce Wayne off of it um, in a city that really didn't appreciate him. 
right? Um, you know, he 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 played in a city and and pretty much initiated the Celtic pride, right? But but even though this city only loved him 48 minutes at a time and kind of tolerated him when he was in civilian clothes. Um, and he was under no illusion of where he played and, and the time that he played. And he was still unapologetically him. And and that's what you want from anyone, not even just sports icons for, you know, for him. But, you know, he was just going to play the game. And, you know, he, there wasn't anything soft about him. Uh, as as unapologetically as he was off the court, he was twice as unapologetic on the court. And that's what made him an amazing player. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people are going to remember him, obviously, for that Celtic green. But a lot more people are going to remember him for what he stood for off the court. And uh, just such an amazing man, an amazing ambassador, an amazing voice um, to black athletes. And, um, you know, his message is going to resonate for a long, long time. Yeah, 100%, Auntie. This is I Am Athlete Tonight. I'm your host, Lee Shea Doosable, with my squad, Antoine Walker and Auntie Shantae Trimeter. And we're giving homage to, to a legend in Bill Russell who passed on Sunday. And let's just read off some of the accolades he had. In 1955 and 56, he guided the University of San Francisco to an NCAA a tournament victories with the U.S. basketball team in 1956. He took home a gold medal in the Olympics. He led the Celtics to eight consecutive NBA titles from 1959 to 1966. He was an all-star 12 times and five times the NBA's most valuable player. And he concluded his career as the number two rebounder in NBA history, only behind his only nemesis, Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, this is what Bill Russell said in a Sports uh, Illustrated article. If you can take something to the levels that very few other people can reach, then what you're doing becomes art. Antoine Walker, I want to ask you this question. Should the NBA permanently retire to number six across the league? I mean, for what he stood for and, and, and what he's done for this league, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any problem with it. And I don't think nobody else in the league would either. I think, I think it would bring – um, awareness to these younger guys that's coming into the league now um, to understand what Bill did for this league, how he paved the way. Um, you got to remember, he's the first, I think, in any sport, and if I'm not mistaken, first black coach in any sport. He was a player coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that speaks volumes that Red Auerbach thought that he could, you know, coach a team back then at that time and and still be and also be able to play. Um, so that, that I think we got to look. And then we always talk about this. We argue. We argue on the show all the time. And we always talk about Michael and, you know, LeBron and, you know, just Steph being the top 10 and all these things. Bill Russell stats. Oh, he got to be up there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Well, you know, where do you put him at? And, you know, I think sometimes we forget about uh, what he done. You had an argument that it was obviously it wasn't as many teams back then, but his individual accomplishment and, how much of a clutch player he was back then. I think he was like 10 and on game sevens. I mean, you start to look at mm. all these things yesterday with his passing and you start to see everything that he accomplished. And we don't put him in that conversation enough when we talk about the goats of this game. So I think, yeah. I think that's a great, um, great idea to be able to retire his number to let, you know, especially for this younger generation, I'm sure all these guys got hit and you saw all the tweets and, those guys never had an opportunity. So many guys had an opportunity to meet Bill. 
So to see now they, to see how good he was, I bet you they were shocked or blown away at what Bill has done in his career. Yeah, and to put that into perspective, uh, Tuan, the most valuable player award for the NBA Finals were renamed the Bill Russell Award in 2009. So that just lets you know his impact, not only on the court, but off the court. Auntie, do you agree with Tuan that, you know, you wouldn't have a problem if they retired the number six across the, the NBA? Absolutely. I wouldn't have a problem at all. And and like he said, I, I think that <clears throat> I think that players today, regardless of, of who may be wearing number six, um, you know, I think that that they would be fully on board. Absolutely. I mean, he's one of the greatest. I mean, and, and you're right. I mean, can he you know, I think if we were alive 30 years ago. Right. And we still knew about Michael and LeBron. I think that Bill Russell's name would be coming up a lot more when, mm. when you're when you're talking about the GOAT and what he did and how many games. You know, everyone's saying, oh, the GOAT, it depends on how many rings you have. Well, he got he got more than all of them. <laughs> Definitely you know? got more than all of them. I mean, he, <laughs> that, he, got a, he got more than, than LeBron and, and Michael combined, I believe. And so, yeah, you know, I just I just I just feel like, you know, they we lost an icon. And and yeah. you know, unfortunately, people don't don't get to see or or they get to read about what he did now that he's gone. And so I would just, you know, encourage people just, you know, learn more about people when they're here and, and, and truly understand when you're around greatness and when the greatness is around you, because you'll appreciate it more before it's no longer there. Yes, truly. Rest in peace to a legend and icon, Bill Russell. I Am Athlete Tonight is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. Support I Am Athlete Tonight with a five-star rating and by leaving a review. That's a big deal, guys. Stop being lazy. Pick up your phones and leave a review and give us a five-star rating. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Want more? Catch the full two hours of I Am Athlete Tonight weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, SiriusXM Channel. 82. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash IAA Tonight Trial to start your free trial today. SiriusXM Podcasts. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. One, two, three. Four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.